Your words are a direct result of what's going on in your thoughts. What you think will come out in what you say. Now, if your thoughts are focused on King Me, your words are going to be self-centered. The prophet Isaiah said that the man whose mind is busy with evil will speak folly. On the flip side, if your thoughts are focused on God, your words will draw attention to Him. Welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, certified professional mentor, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode 143. In this week's episode, we continue our journey through chapter 5 of my book entitled, Are You a Superman? Becoming God's Man of Steel. This week's episode is entitled, What Did You Say? In the late 1970s, early 1980s, there was a brokerage firm named E.F. Hutton, and they put together an advertising campaign that had everyone talking, or actually, maybe I should say everyone was listening. You see, in their television commercials, there would be two people, uh, let's say, out for a jog or riding a train. Maybe they're at a dinner party, or maybe they're even conversing in the middle of a Broadway show, but in every scenario... The crowd or the activity happening around the two people discussing or talking was noisy. And as the two individuals talked, their conversation began to focus on the stock market. And inevitably, one of those two people would say to the other person, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, now, apparently, those words E.F. Hutton says were very magical because once uttered, the rest of the world fell totally silent. Joggers stopped in mid-stride. Commuters on the train put down the newspapers. Dinner guests stopped passing the mashed potatoes. I mean, even the actors on stage halted their scenes. Everyone's attention was drawn to that conversation because everyone wanted to hear the sage advice of the legendary E.F. Hutton. Every commercial always ended with the same powerful tagline. went like this, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Well, here's why I share that with you. When you or I talk, the rest of the world may not come to a screeching halt just to hear what we have to say, but the people around us are listening. What are they hearing? Listen carefully to the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever we do in word or deed, we are to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. I want to zero in on whatever we do in word. We're to do it in the name of the the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father. And I want you to notice that Paul uses the word whatever. Whatever we do in word or deed. Whatever you may say, whatever words come out of your mouth at any given moment, no matter whom you're speaking to or the reason that you're speaking to them, Always, always, always make sure you're saying them in a way that glorifies God. But why? Why do I have to be so careful about what I say? What's wrong with spouting off when I get hot under the collar? I mean, why can't I colorfully express my opinion? Well, to answer, let's pause for a brief moment here. Let's, Let's take a quick stroll through the book of Proverbs. And on this little journey, I want you to notice along with uh, along the way what, what God says about the words that come out of your mouth. For example, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise, Proverbs ten nineteen. Reckless words pierce like a sword, 
but the tongue of the wise brings healing, Proverbs 12:18. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin, Proverbs 13, verse 13. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly, Proverbs 15, verse 2. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 15, verse 14. A wise man's heart guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul. Proverbs 16, verses 23 and 24. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint. Proverbs 17, 27. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent, and discerning if he holds his tongue. Proverbs 17, verse 28. He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity, Proverbs 21, verse 23. And a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver, Proverbs 25, 11. Here's the point. Always consider what you say, because God sure does. Every time you open your mouth to speak, before a single word comes out, I urge you, I challenge you, I dare you, Ask God to set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips, Psalm 141, verse 3. Cry out to him before you you say anything to anyone. Father, please let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Psalm 19, verse 14. Why is that so important, you ask? You see, there is coming a day, watch this now, there's coming a day when every one of us will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word we have spoken, Matthew twelve thirty six. Well, to be honest, I'm sure that some of you, maybe most of you at this point are thinking, every word, every moment, every day? Come on, dude. You're asking the impossible. I speak thousands of words daily. It just it just can't be done. I agree with you. Without God's help, it is utterly impossible. However, let me remind you that with God, nothing is impossible. He will always give you exactly what you need, when you need it, how you need it to accomplish everything that he has commanded you to do, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. God does not want you to fail. So you can rest assured that any command he gives you through his strength and guidance, you can do it, Philippians 4, 13. You see, our problem lies in the fact that we're used to talking most of the time without putting much thought into what we're saying. Or when we do think through what we're saying, I, I'm willing to wager that glorifying God with our words typically isn't top on our priority list. So the the whole concept of thinking through everything that you say before you speak so that your words bring honor and glory to God, well, that just feels foreign to us. But here's the exciting thing. God has created each of us as creatures of habit. Why is that so exciting, you ask? Because repetitive action eventually forms habitual action. So, yeah, it's going to be hard right now to, to, to think first before you speak. It's going to be difficult to cry out to God and ask Him to guide your words before they ever come out of your mouth, but it won't always be hard. You see, with God's help, you and I can keep our tongue from evil. 
We can keep our lips from deceitful speech, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. It truly is possible to consistently restrain your tongue from saying things that will not glorify God. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about the sinful condition of their hearts. And in that verse, he makes a very interesting statement. Here's what he says. Out of the overflow or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, to understand this verse, we need to understand, first of all, what he meant by heart. I'm sure you pretty, you probably understand and pretty much agree with me that he's not referring to the muscle in your chest go, that goes thumpity thump thump. That's not what he's talking about. He's speaking about the core of who you are. It's, it's command central. It's the place where thinking, passions, desires, will, decision-making, where that all occurs. And where is that? It's, it's your mind. So what he's actually saying in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, is out of the abundance of your mind, the mouth speaks. Your words, my words, are a direct result of what is going on in our thoughts. What you think will come out in what you say. So follow it logically. If the thoughts rolling around inside your mind are focused on king me, I want, I need, I deserve, I desire, I have to have, I can't live without, it's all about me. Your words, my words, will be centered around pleasing me, bringing me fulfillment and satisfaction. It's all about me. The prophet Isaiah said that the man whose mind is busy with evil will speak folly. However, on the flip side, if your thoughts are focused on God, glorifying God, worshiping God, honoring and serving and blessing your Heavenly Father, then your words are going to draw attention to God, not King Me. So I want to challenge you here to ask yourself and answer honestly this question. Does each and every word I speak, as well as the motivation behind those words, bring glory to God? When I'm speaking to my spouse, when I'm talking to my children, to my employer, my employees, when I'm talking with my coworkers or to my family members, my friends, my neighbors, even those annoying telemarketers, Am I considering carefully everything that I'm saying to make sure that each and every word is bringing honor and glory to God? Since my words reveal what's in my thoughts, I guess the real question each of us need to ask ourselves is this, do my thoughts truly glorify God? We've been going through this series on Superman and asking the question, are you a Superman, becoming God's man of steel? When the comic book character that we affectionately know as Superman was created back in 1938, the goal was simple. The Man of Steel had to be the ideal American, one who always, always stood for truth, justice, and the American way. The character Superman is famous not only for his supernatural strength and his amazing abilities, but he was also known for his humility and his genuine concern for helping others. That character Superman was modest, courteous. He always tried to do the right thing. His compassion for others even went out to those who didn't deserve it, even to the arch-villains that tried to destroy him. All in all, Superman was a pretty good guy. But have you ever stopped to think about what does Superman do when he's not rescuing people? I mean, of, of course he flies around and he keeps airplanes from crashing, school buses from falling off of really tall bridges, but how many times a day does that actually happen? That's an important question that I want us to consider. 
not what does Superman do, but you and me as Superman of God, what are you doing for God? You know, a typical response that I've gotten before when asking that question is, well, I, I volunteer to help out in the nursery at church. I, I've, I've even gone on a couple of mission trips. My small group went out just, just last week and we raked an elderly neighbor's leaves. I, I volunteer at, at the local jail as a chaplain's assistant. I'm doing stuff. Listen, don't, don't misunderstand me here. Those are some great things that you can do for the kingdom, and I hope that you are actively doing those types of things. But what about the things that you do on a daily basis when you're not flying around rescuing air, air, crashing airplanes and uh, falling buses or, or whatever? What do you do on a daily basis? What about the, the mundane, non-spiritual things that you do every day? Did you ever stop to think? Did you ever stop to consider that even those things should be done in a way that glorifies God? We're going to see in another podcast coming up that Superman is always Superman. Even when he's Clark Kent, he never stops being Superman. Here's, here's my point. You and I, if you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior as I do, we are always, always technon theos. You may recall from last week's episode, we talked about that. The word technon theos means son of God, child of God. You are always a child of God. Even in your normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill life, you never stop being a child of God. So what do you do day in and day out? And does it glorify God? I want to submit that simple things like taking out the trash, filling the car with gas, mowing your yard or snow blowing the driveway. Those are all things that you should do to the glory of God. Now, let me warn you, here's where I'm going to start meddling a little bit, because even the crossing of your arms to make a point, the rolling of your eyes, the sighing loudly, or even offering a friendly pat on the back for encouragement, or or the raising of an eyebrow, the shrug of your shoulders, the glaring of your eyes, the shaking of your head, a simple smile of encouragement. Those are all actions that we should be doing that should that are to be considered by God to be a deed that should be done in a way that glorifies him. Hey, seriously, don't shoot the messenger. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever we do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. All means all. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. I want to submit that although God cares deeply about the things that you do to and around others, I believe that he's also very interested in each and everything that you do when all alone, when in private, the times when no one is around, the times when you think you're completely alone. God is still there. God is watching. God sees it all. And the scriptures tell us he will bring every deed, good and bad, big and small, into judgment even the hidden things. So here's the question again. As a Superman of God, as technon theos, what are you doing day in and day out? Listen, nothing, absolutely nothing we do can be covered up to the point that it will not one day be revealed. Nothing we say or do is so well hidden that it will not be made known. Even the words, now watch this, even the words you quietly whisper in secret will be loudly heard 
as if you were standing on top of your roof, shouting at the top of your lungs. But don't take my word for it. Look at Luke chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. You see, God's eyes are on all our ways. They're not hidden from him. Nor is our sin concealed from his eyes, Jeremiah 16, verse 17. I want to read to you 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3, and I want you to listen. I ask that you consider this verse carefully. Here's what it says. Talk no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. End quote. Now, here's why I bring up that verse. God knows each and every one of our choices. He knows each and every one of our behaviors, whether public or private. And I want to submit that this verse in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3, reveals something more, something much deeper. You see, God not only knows all of our deeds, but he knows the motivation of our heart behind each deed. In other words, he not only knows what you did, he knows why you did what you did. Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, that God will bring to light what is hidden in darkness, and he will expose the motives of our hearts. Remember, we do what we do because in our heart we want what we want. So carefully think, my friend, what does your heart truly want? Does it want to glorify God or does it want to please King me? In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, God says, I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. God is not impressed with what you do until he's impressed with what you think. On the scales of God's justice, our deeds are seriously considered. But I submit, based on what I understand Scripture to be teaching, that God places more weight on your heart's motivation, on the thoughts you were thinking as you did each deed, than he does that which the deed that you did. Understand this, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, God searches your heart and he examines your mind. He examines your motives. So yes, our deeds are important to God. We are to glorify Him in what we say and what we do. But even more important is the reason behind it. What was going on in your thoughts? Why did you say what you said? Why did you do what you did? Who was it for? And I want you to understand this. He's not going to reward your deed, no matter how great and mighty it might be, if the thought and motivation behind it was wrong. What you think will become what you do. So for your deeds and actions to glorify God, your thoughts must first glorify Him. Okay, let's hit the pause button until next week's episode. There's more coming, and I I, I can't wait to share with you some more truth from Scripture as we talk about becoming a superman, God's man of steel. As we conclude this week's powerful podcast, I'd like to take just a brief moment and give you a glimpse into our ministry, the Pure Man Ministry. You see, we do a whole lot here, more here at the Pure Man Ministry than just producing a weekly podcast. And hopefully this podcast is ministering to you. We also have a free app. It's available on, on any smart device. It's called My Purity Coach. This app is chocked full of powerful tools geared to help you in your walk with purity. There's tons of scripture verses. There's audio and, and video lessons from the Bible. The, you, you can even listen to the podcast from the app. And if you're familiar with the globally acclaimed video series called The Chosen, you can even watch The Chosen from the app. It's called My Purity Coach. 
We've also designed an online training resource called ChristianGrowthAcademy.com. When you enroll into that academy, you will be you, you're going to find a growing library of video courses that are geared to help you learn how to grow in your Christian walk. If you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, then you've heard me talk about our Point of Purity program. It's a 12-week, one-on-one Bible-centered coaching program. I meet with you personally, one-on-one. It's not a group setting. It's just you and me. And we go deep into the scriptures to teach you how to live a lifelong Let me back that up. Teach you you how to develop. That's the word I wanted to use. Teach you how to develop a lifelong strategic plan for sexual purity. It's called the Point of Purity Program. I've also talked about the various books that I've written, all available on my website, thepuritycoach.com. And you can see the list of books that I've written on Amazon, as well as some other books that we recommend. We are a faith-based donor-supported ministry. Everything that I've just mentioned to you, and there's so much more that we do, is only made possible by our team of ministry partners, people who have committed to giving to financially to this ministry. Now, I want to just tell you that without compromise, the Purity Coach, the Pure Man Ministry, shows men and women how to have a continuous relationship with Jesus, one that is real, one that is personal. And to that end, to be quite honest with you, we need ongoing financial assistance from partners like you who are committed to providing hope, and help for men and women across the globe to win their personal battle against the beast of sexual impurity. So I'm taking this opportunity right now to just take this this closing moment and personally invite you to join us as we seek to impact our world by equipping and training men and women how to live in purity, how to live godly lives, lives of integrity that honor and glorify our Heavenly Father. Any gift of any size, of of any amount, for any amount of time to our ministry is tax-deductible. So if you'd like to give a tax-deductible gift to our ministry, simply go to our website, thepuritycoach.com. Again, that's thepuritycoach, all one word, dot com. And in the upper right corner of our webpage is a donate button. Thank you so much for prayerfully considering what you can do to help us further this ministry. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please let me encourage you to do so today. I don't want you to miss any of our upcoming episodes, and we have some good ones coming. So until next time, this is author, speaker, certified professional mentor, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you, if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, He must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. See you next week.